Hello, and welcome to episode three of Marketing Times Analytics. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and I'm sitting here with Sid. Sid, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Sid. Um, I am a marketing strategy nerd with a background mostly in market research. Um, I come from the world of clinical trials, pharma, and mostly healthcare, We're oddly enough. And uh, in my spare time, love to kind of work through uh, brand problems and just diagnose issues for um, small business executives and also owners. So my first question is, how do you establish a strong organic strategy? Let's start with organic. How do you establish a strong organic strategy? When do you do it? And under what circumstances? Sure. So to me, organic strategy is almost like the lifeblood of your marketing piece of your business, right? It's the relationships you're establishing with your customers. And now what that manifests itself into is a you know blog post or a brand logo or a vision that you share with your customers. But really, it's something that's all encompassing, right? It's how you treat your employees. It's how you do really almost everything in my mind. But um, to me, organic is what you're doing is it's earned, right? So that's stuff that you are showing that, you know, you have a understanding of the market and you're able to communicate with your customers and interact with them in a way that creates and fosters a continuous relationship. Um, to me, in terms of when, that's the first thing you want to do, because to me, and I cover this in the blog a little bit, um, a strong organic strategy is similar to you know your foundational investing strategy. It's what you need right out of the gate, and what it allows you to do. It also becomes not more, not just a simple practice of you know putting the blog post up every week, but it's creating and uh, kind of training you to build an understanding, a foundational understanding of your customer that you can use for so much more than just marketing. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're not paying to get that engagement. You have to write things that are genuinely interesting to people, <laughs> and it's a trial and error to figure out what works. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not easy and it's also not hard if you know what you're kind of headed off to. So um, that to me in my mind is, you know, that's the that's the foundation. That's something you start with and uh, and paid, you know, I'm sure you'll get to this too, but uh, paid paid becomes something that is almost like the fuel you put into the fire. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's an expensive um, option, but it definitely can give you more um, activity than you can get organically um, with the same content. So it's almost like getting that extra bit of fuel that you wouldn't otherwise have. It is a little bit more expensive, but if you have the resources, um, then it may be worth it. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, both and, you know, everyone says this now, but it's, it's parts art and science. And sometimes it's science in art, art in science. So, um, I, I definitely believe it's a mixture of both. Uh, the reason I'm so long on organic strategy is that I feel like it's a missed part of it, right? A lot of small business owners I'll work with or talk to are saying, okay, well, how do we put in 50 bucks and try out a Facebook ad? Well, you know, do you understand on a 30 day basis, what are people going to react to? Well, right. What's the post that even is going to say it? Facebook's not just going to take, you know, your like nothing and just promote it. You need a real content piece. You need something that's going to drive, you know, a relationship. And then you can come to the main stage and say, let's scale this up to a thousand people to 10,000 people. Yeah. I, I remember, um, I did a similar strategy. I I still run, but very passively a a meme page on Facebook where we post memes about cats (laughs) and we have an automated system set up that essentially takes posts from Reddit 
and pipes them over to Facebook because a lot of people, they don't have, uh, they don't know that you can go on Reddit and find all these memes. They're on Facebook scrolling. So we bring those Reddit uh, cat memes to Facebook. And what we did was we would take the best performing organic cat memes. So let's say you have a meme that is doing really well just organically. You didn't pay for it and you got 10,000 impressions and that maybe that's much higher than the average. Clearly this is valuable within your audience. So then the hypothesis is, or I guess the null hypothesis would be if we pay for this, it, it, you know, it won't generate any more engagement and we can disprove that by paying, um, let's say 10, just $10 to reach out to similar demographics of our core audience and say, we can bet that this will probably play well with that audience too, because organically it played really well. So it's kind of like adding that extra bit of fuel and, and really getting that extra reach that you wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's exactly how I think of it. It's like a, it's like a sandbox for experimentation. And then when you're ready for the big leagues, you know, smack one out of the park and see where it goes, you know, and you, you probably saw that with the engagement, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. You, you saw like a, the 10, the 10 X and what it's actually supposed to be worth, because what's the point, right? If not, you're spending thousands of dollars and making nothing off of it. You know, the whole point of it is to scale that same $1 into 10, into 20. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, what's the point, right? It's not a business. It's just a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, and that's certainly in my case. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that it applied really well in this scenario somehow. Um, and one thing I just, I was just thinking about it when you're talking about this, like, like an automated meme page would be the pretty much uh, example of someone taking performance marketing and trying to use it for organic strategy only, right? Because organic strategy requires a, it's something that's shifting, right? It's like understanding the mindsets of your customers. If you bring in ROI and performance-based lens to it only, you know, you're not talking about impact. And that was something, you know, when we were talking earlier, it was so big to me that, you know, you're saying, you were talking about using analytics for impact, where I see less and less today, right? People are talking about analytics to measure what? Right. <laughs> are you measuring success at this point or are you just measuring open rates? Because open rates doesn't mean anything unless it's tied to something bigger and something strategic. Mm. So I, I think we're losing that today. And on that point, I love that you brought that up. Did you know that sometimes if you have an iPhone, it, uh, the, the algorithm that tracks opens will trigger an open just when it downloads from the server onto your iPhone. So you could just delete yeah. that, that mail right away and it could potentially be tracked as an open just because of the faults in, in the way that the data is recorded. So just taking one metric out of context really isn't going to give you much. It's tying it downstream and saying these opens led to X more amount in revenue because we can, and now we can use those open rates as a, as a good metric. But it's only when you tie it to downstream activity that you can really say this is a good metric to target on. And I think that that kind of rigor um, is often lost in organizations that might not have the resources to stand up um, that kind of analysis. I, I totally agree. And, and to me, it's like, you know, it's observation to insight. How do you actually get to insight quicker? To me, that requires like a better perspective, right? So if you're looking at the bottom, trying to understand what the top looks like, pretty hard to do. But if you're at the top understanding these are where those analytics came from, where the metrics came from, why they matter, the mm. why is the biggest piece of this, yeah. you know, like that's when I think, you know, companies start to understand something in the marketplace that is actually going to drive the next big move, whether that's forging a partnership, whether that's, you know, winning your customer's heart, truly winning and creating that LTV and everything else that comes with, or, you know, beating your competitors, right? It, it takes that understanding that um, 
that true ability to like want to understand your customer versus the numbers on an Excel sheet. Yeah, definitely. So I want to pivot a little bit now to paid. We talked about organic strategy and the importance in understanding your customer. Let's do the same with paid. So when do you, how do you establish a good paid strategy? When do you do it? Under what circumstances and how? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, I, I'm going to refer back to this book and also the blog I was working on. Um, basically, a book called Algorithms to Live By. It's literally a data science book for uh, the masses, you know, someone like me who's not a data science expert. Uh, it explores a very great idea. It's called an explore-exploit trade-off. Very important to understand, actually. And the whole concept is, you know, let's say you're in Italy. You have one week left and you came in on Monday and had the best dinner of your life. Do you go there again now? Do you go there the last day? Do you, you know, stay there forever? The whole concept of that, what's driven by that, is the time period that you're set by, right? You have a week. So if you have a week now, if I told you you had forever, you could go there as many times as you want, you probably never leave, right? But if you only had a week, you might wanna try something else. So to me, that's an explore-exploit trade-off, and data science actually has a great way to kind of answer this fundamental problem. Um, and it's three different possibilities. And to me, these actually perfectly uh, relate to a company's maturity curve, right? So when you're starting off, the first one is called win, stay, lose, shift. Now, um, to me, this is very simple. It's like a, think of it like a lever problem, right? You got two levers. Um, you win, you stay, you lose, you shift. How does that relate to organic and paid? You're probably wondering at this point. Um, how it relates to organic. So if you got two le levers, organic and paid, if you pull the organic lever, as long as it keeps winning, you're getting engagement with your customers, it's working, maybe you figured it out on your first try, that's great. You keep doing it, right? You don't stop, why would you stop? But the second it stops working, when you lose, you have to shift. So the second you lose, you gotta switch to paid, you gotta try it out, you know? Then, you know, it's, it's just a lever, it's like a teeter-totter. Then you keep going with paid, you see how that goes, until it fails, then you stop, you switch. Yeah. So to me, that's what most companies are doing when they start off, right? They're just trying to figure out their balance, trying to see if it even works, and then switching back and forth. Most likely, they might just do organic, try paid, fail, and then just question and call somebody, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious though, um, how do you know what pay what will work with paid if in organic it didn't work? That's a great point. So um, that to me is, is is kind of the issue, right? Like I think even though there's this Wednesday lose shift mentality, like to me I see that at like a month level, right? So that's a great question to ask. Like do you do it for a month no matter what, right? You got to learn 30 days of organic strategy and to be very you know implement be very actionable on this. You know, go get Adobe Spark, try a month of content, you know, let's see what happens for, you know, someone who's struggling with this. But to me, that's what it takes, right? 30 days, you got to try it. From there, you got to have had one insight, right? One of those posts hopefully worked. If not, honestly, call someone up now, you need help. <laughs> um, but um, well, by then, you know, you have at least some sort of, you know, stake in the ground to, to try. And I'm hoping that that one was the one that is the right candidate for the paid ad and it, it works. If not, you switch back. And I really think you got to get the organic strategy right. You know, going back to the fact that this is so foundational, if you don't have a strong organic strategy, that means you probably don't understand your customer. And that means you should probably start back at the first part of the wheel where you're understanding what's the product market fit, what's my brand trying to solve, all of that. Because if you're, if you're doing that properly and communicating what to me is an organic strategy, then you will have success with paid. 
I love that. It's almost like it's a triangle. And and at the you know the food pyramid, there's like the most at the bottom, and then you have like a small segment at the top. I think organic would fill up most of the triangle, and then at the very top you would have paid, and you have to conquer the whole bottom. You have to actually figure out what works in organic, and then you can reach that that perfect you know top of the triangle where you're now just blasting paid ads because you know what works. You've set that foundation, and now you can you can play around a little bit. And almost hack the system, right? Get in front of people um, that you wouldn't otherwise get in front of. Exactly. You know, it's not like I think. You know, you hear a lot of people when they start out. It's like, how does this happen? How does this brand blow up, go viral? It's consistency. It's all the layers underneath that we don't even see. We just see that tip of the iceberg. That's that big, you know, paid ad that somehow just got thousands of likes, right? So I totally agree with that. And. Like, you know, this actually brings me perfectly to the second kind of stage of this uh, maturity curve, which is the second idea that these guys propose in this explore exploit trade off, which is uh, discounting using a specific index, right? It's called the Gittins index, but of course, if you're doing this, you're going to create your own. Um, but the very fundamental concept is just that you're discounting, just like you would discount a cash flow, um, what the value you predict you'd get from a paid or an organic ad. So whether that is, um, you know, that blog post, how many people are going to like it versus that, uh, you know, paid ad, how many people are going to engage and convert. So then you all of a sudden have the future value. You can kind of work backwards, get what today's value of that would be, the discounted cash, the discounted value of that and start to measure. To me, that requires a little bit more maturity, right? You have to understand those channels. You have to measure. You have to create those frameworks. But... That is now you're starting to kind of understand what levers to pull and when. It's it's efficiency. You're lo- you're looking at the efficiency of each channel or or tactic, and then trying to understand um, h- how valuable is it to invest in this tactic today, given what I can expect a month from now. Yes, exactly. I, I think you put it better than I did. Um, to me, that is exactly the way I see it. Right, because it, it's. It's a discipline, right? You can't just move to paid without like a reasoning why. You have to have a plan in place. And and I think when these companies, they finally hit like that level of maturity, even as a startup, you know, this could happen in 30 days, right? You might hire an agency and they understand some of this stuff. It's completely possible. But if not, you know, that might take a few months. And that's that to me is that like second piece. That's a circumstance where you're starting to get a little bit more mature. To me, like that final piece of it is what I call it. It's in the book described as the upper confidence bound. The way I see that is you're measuring on upside. It's kind of like uh, just being really good at something, right? By the time you're there, you're just like, I'm not focused on what I have to lose. I'm focused on what I have to win. Like if you're Michael Jordan, you're not thinking about, am I going to get subbed out? You're thinking about how many more points can I score? Can I hit 60, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, like as a marketer, you know, between organic and paid, now you can measure off upside. You've figured out, you know, you can anticipate what a general idea would of what you're going to get out of what return you're going to get off of any tactic you have. But now is the time to start thinking, is that PR opportunity? You know, if I make it to that channel and the intent is right, the, you know, the, they're active in that channel or whatever, you know, then that means now you can measure up upside. That's 5 million eyeballs. It's going to result in, you know, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. um, that's the way I see it. It's like that final level where you're now trying to play off of, you know, what can I splash in there that's gonna, just going to create a ridiculously unproportional like you know scaled uh impact yeah this brings me to a metaphor i really like 
around phishing. So um, if you imagine B2B marketing, or let's start with B2C marketing as a commercial phishing vessel, you have a large net and perhaps you're catching very small fish. So you cast the large net in an area, you, you might have a radar underneath the boat that tracks the fishing movement. And so you go to a high traffic area within a body of water and you cast your net and you catch a, lar- a, a good amount of small fish. But let's say you're going for a large tuna, 50 pounds, this is a large fish. Um, you're not going to use the same tactic. Um, They might not school the same way. They might be more lone wolves. This is more B2B. So it's much more targeted. And you would use perhaps a a specific kind of bait. You would use a particular kind of fish that you know the tuna likes. You would go to an area where there might be tuna, but you might have to wait a lot longer for a bite. You might not get as many fish, but you're going for fewer um, of a particular kind. And in real terms, it would be the decision maker. Paid is like if you were to send a scuba diver down (laughs) with a spear gun. Very expensive, but you don't even have to wait for the tuna to to go to the bait. You have somebody hunting the tuna. Now that's an expensive option. You have to pay for the scuba, the person, the spear gun, all of the different parts, all the different elements. It's It's inefficient, right? But it works, it would work. Um, And so in my opinion, that would be the paid option is once you have a good system, you're catching a lot of these tunas and you want to scale up like crazy, you might be considering this inefficient option just to get every single tuna in in that water. I I love that. That brings a completely full circle, right? Because, you know, as we kind of discussed, organic is is really just a reflection of how well you know your customer and how well you've uh, traversed those ponds or those lakes mm-hmm. or those oceans and yeah that's you know once you can paid is in some ways like you kind of said almost inefficient right because uh it's not you it's not you creating that direct relationship with your customer but it serves a very important purpose don't get you know i'm not trying to mince words here like you could probably use paid if you're a startup right you're not going to be able to just use organic and scale some people have done it so i don't want to count them out but very hard to do with that, yeah right yeah definitely and, and I, I don't mean to get political here, but uh, if paid worked, Mike Bloomberg would be president right now. <laughs> he spent, you know, like $500 million on paid ads and, and running his campaign. He didn't have any organic support. And guess what? It, did, it went nowhere. It went down the drain. And that's what happens when you just do paid without understanding and, and having high-performing organic. That's fun. Uh, I was just thinking, like, even someone like Andrew Yang, who, uh, you know, built a lot of, I think, through organic strategy, he's still here today. He has a humanity forward like campaign that's actually alive still. Whereas every, most of their campaigns, you know, candidates dropped out, including Bloomberg, right? Yeah. So that's a great point. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's on the macro level, it, it still applies. Yeah. So Yang has more of an organic strategy, um, whereas Bloomberg decided to go the paid route, and it was very inefficient, right? Yeah, and it pay- didn't actually perform. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Paid only lasts for the amount of time you have it on, right? As long as you're clicking, you know, maybe you'll have a halo effect if you have an organic strategy. Right. But if not, there's no halo effect. So, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you see it all in the out in the wild. Yeah, <laughs> politics through a marketing lens. <laughs> so my final question to you, Sid, say you started a brand today and you had a $10,000 marketing budget. What would you do with it? All right. Um, so... I would start with 
organic strategy, right? And what that means is I would build out a small plan um, in terms of what's the content gonna be, or sorry, I'd start with who's my customer gonna be? What's the product I'm solving? Um, what's the kind of communications I'm going for? Where are they at in their journey? I'm going fast because I'm sure you wanna wrap up the podcast. Okay. Um, 10K marketing budget, right? I start by putting in or de deploying organic strategy as in 30, you know, whatever social media platform it is, 30 sort of posts. So to start off, see what that baseline engagement looks like. From there, I'm gonna you know, start testing out paid ads, you know, $10, $20 at a time, see what works, what kind of, can I get that bigger uh, kind of net of customers or, or fish that are like possibly interested in what I have to offer, and then I scale up. I do, and the way I would look at that is literally like, let's say I put in 2.5K and like the upfront just testing and understanding, I'm waiting for that big splash. I'm gonna put 5K like probably right up front, or 2.5K right up front, and then spend the rest on um, probably just paid social and paid search, and then a little bit of PR if I have it. If not, I would just do all that organically. So I hope that was a decent answer off the top of my head. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. I do appreciate that. We could talk about this for hours. Um, yeah, and every brand's different, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, Sid, I want to thank you so much. This has been a really exciting conversation. Thank you, Alex. Uh, this podcast is awesome, and uh, I'm looking forward to what you're coming up with next. Thanks. <laughs> and thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, we'll be making this podcast weekly, so uh, tune in, subscribe, and share with your friends. Thanks again.